Thanks be to God for the beauty and the power of his word. You guys can be seated. All right. Well, it's interesting when you hear that passage, uh, I, you know, it's hard not to get nostalgic and think about the peanuts, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's like we're, you know, we, we're in that moment just now, and I'm thinking about our series, Hail Gladdening Light, uh, Fos Hilleron, this idea of joyful light and what a night it must have been. Um, but the good news of that passage, it's, it's one of those things that uh, I think growing up in the church, growing up in the Southeast in the Bible Belt, um, it's easy to keep it in the area of nostalgia and, and miss uh, the depth of the good news that was being celebrated. And I just want to kind of lean towards the idea this morning, um, a, a really a good theological grounded idea that a lot of what the, the angels were celebrating and a lot of what was happening in that moment and a lot of what Jesus was bringing as he came here um, as a child uh, was peace. And the good news was, was peace. And I was thinking about it over the last couple of weeks, especially. I had an amazing Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I, mine was fantastic. And I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but I saved a bunch of it. And one of the reasons that I did have an amazing Thanksgiving um, is I, uh, well, not, it wasn't just because the Jags, you know, just squeaked one out and it was beautiful and fantastic. You know what I mean? I mean, just watching them kick it, you know, at the end of it, you know, the, the completed pass. And then all of a sudden, the, the only guy in the, the NFL that's kicks, you know, 166 yards. And then all of a sudden he's up to kick it. It was fantastic, but that's not why. Um, the Seminoles also won, uh, which I'm an old fan. Uh, that was fantastic. I know the world has fallen and broken and there are SEC refs, but praise God, I'm a Seminole fan today. Um, the people that are laughing, I know. Um, but the, the, real, the real reason was, is I spent my Thanksgiving on my in-laws' farm, which I love. Uh, and, and, and I won't say it was all awesome. Um, and I know there's people in the room that would agree with me that were there, um, family members of mine. Uh, but we, uh, because of circumstances, uh, you know, we've, uh, the family's grown. If anybody knows uh, my wife's family, it's large. And it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. We all got kids and we got grown kids. We got kids having kids, the whole, the whole nine yards. Um, and so there's 30 of us that are gonna converge on this one property of 27 beautiful acres in South Georgia. Uh, there's two cabins there, or there's a main house and there's a cabin, uh, but one of them was in not accessible for this particular thing. So you can imagine, and the one house is not, it's not like a mansion. This is not like Gone with the Wind. Um, it is a small little, uh, uh, you know, South Georgia, Cairo, Georgia uh, house. And so the, the idea of my wife's mother-in-law, and Candy, if you're watching this on the stream, I just want you to know I had an amazing time and I love you. Um, but we, uh, the idea was is that we can't fit everybody, uh, so we're just gonna camp. Um, we're gonna set up the tents, we're gonna camp, which I did camping. Um, but based on the, the streams, uh, texting streams that were flying around, not everybody does uh, love camping. Um, and there's some people in this room that were on that stream that doesn't love camping. Um, and, and it was, it was, you know, so the idea was to set up a bunch of tents, do, you know, get, get everything out on the property. And we, we got, we, everything was fine. We got there and everybody started setting up their gear, um, and getting everything settled. All 30 of us, you know, on, on the farm, kids were over by the pond. We kind of separated the adults and the, the kids. When I say kids, the, you know, the 21 year olds that were going to, you know, get rowdy. Um, and so we, we got all settled in and everything was pretty good. Like, I think people were kind of settled in, you know? I mean, when you're, 
When you're in your 30s, you're thinking about that type of situation. You're like, who's gonna be there at the Thanksgiving deal? Like, is there gonna be fun? You know, 20s and 30s, you're kind of thinking, who's gonna, who's gonna show up? And then you're, you know, in your 30s and 40s, you're thinking, where are my kids gonna sleep? Like, where are they gonna be? Where's the pack and play gonna go? Are they gonna be okay? Are there gonna be friends or cousins there they're, they're gonna play with? When you're in your 50s, it's all about, where am I gonna sleep? Like, is where am I gonna sleep? Am I gonna wake up and be able to walk? Um, and so, when the idea of camping came about, you can imagine some of the setups that were happening out there. Uh, but it, 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 was that, it was that way. But everybody was like, okay, I got everything in order. And we all, you know, we had a big bonfire. And we're thinking, man, this is actually pretty good. The sky just lit up with the, you know, the, the Milky Way. Um, and then, and we all got to sleep and it's silent out there. Just the sound of just nature, you know, is happening. Um, and then out the, out the middle of nowhere, the worst sound of all, at 2.30 in the morning, the worst sound you could possibly imagine. I hear you, Joe Gajewski. You heard it. Um, and it sounded like, uh, like somebody was getting murdered. I mean, I'm just saying. But it was a rooster that he sits about this tall. And my mother-in-law thought it was a good idea two weeks before we go camping to have a rooster. They didn't have a rooster before this. They had hens. She thought, it'll be fun. She's from New York. She's like, Derek, I just thought it would be fun to have a rooster out there while we're camping. So... There's a rooster and I'm telling you, he sounds like, it's the loudest, I can't even describe to you, if I was to yell it in the microphone, how, like, just what it did to the heart place of everybody out there. And there was no way nobody heard it. I thought maybe the kids, everybody, all 30 people, definitely didn't sleep after 2.30 a.m. And well, they did because eventually somebody shot the rooster. Um, I won't say who, and if you're an animal rights activist, I'm telling you they covered their tracks. We don't really know. I have an inkling suspicion about some of the people that carry firearms that are in law enforcement, but. And I say all that to say, look, there's a, we go to extreme measures to have some peace, don't we? Like, and you know what, I'll tell you what, even the people that are, you know, on one end of the spectrum when it comes to the animal thing, deep down in places they don't want to talk about at parties, they were glad that rooster was shot. You know what I mean? But, but I say that to say, look, you, we, we want that. Like, you know, when we think about peace and we, we look at this passage, you know, it's glory to God in the highest and peace to those on whom his favor rests. Obviously, you know, if you want to break this down theologically, what's coming to planet Earth is not earthly peace, even though it says on earth peace. But if you continue to read, it's, it's on whom his favor rests. It's peace for us. It's, it's, it's a transcendent peace. And when we think about the word, when we think about the word peace, I think it's one of those things we get, especially in the holiday season. Like uh, my wife was just, we were just talking about this idea of, you know, what, it, what we're, when we think about peace, what's the picture? And she says, I remember when I was 10, I, I wrote a poem and it was right after watching a Publix commercial. Do you remember the old, like, now I know the Publix commercials are sweet now, but the ones when, you know, the, the, when they first came out, the Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, commercials that Publix ran, they were like watching Rudy. I mean, it was like, they would, you would cry. I mean, you just watch, that's what I want for Thanksgiving. Uncle Ted always ruins it. You know, you're just like, this is what I want, right? It's this, there's something about it. And, and for all of us, I think we, we, we think about even coming into the next year, maybe this is the year where I'll, where I'll have some of what I want, you know, where things will go well. Well, maybe, maybe you know, if you're a good single guy in here, you'll, you know, you'll, one of your pickup lines will work or whatever. You know, you're just wanting something to work out. And when you think about, when you think about the, that idea of things being right with the world, 
that's really, in the Old Testament, when you look at peace, peace can't really bench the weight of the word when you go down into the, to the Hebrew. Because Dave preached on Isaiah 9 last week, and what, what does it talk about? It talks about this wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Well, you, you translate that into a word called shalom. Now, English peace does not bench the weight of shalom. Shalom is different. Shalom is, it's not just the absence of chaos or the absence of conflict when we talk about world peace. Shalom is, is, is it's not just surviving, it's thriving. It's, the best translation for shalom is as it should be. Things are as they should be. So when you, when you go back and you, you look at these passages, when you see, you know, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests, you can roll that back to the Hebrew and say on earth, shalom to those on whom his favor rests. Things, on earth, things are as they should be to those on whom his favor rests. In other words, there's a sense of all is right with the world. There's, everything is right with, uh, with, in relationship with God. Everything's right with, uh, in relationship with each other. And with the, the earth itself, things are well. And we know when we look around and we experience planet earth, whether it be on a farm for Thanksgiving or even more serious and deep issues when we watch the, the news cycle or we see what's happening across the globe, we see what's happening even in our own communities, we realize things are not as they should be. They're just not the place that we would say they are as they should be. But as we look at scripture, the beautiful thing about Luke chapter two and even rolling back into the Old Testament and the prophecies where it says that he would be the Prince of Peace, that he is coming, he, he would be, the, that God did not come up with a peace plan. Like that wasn't, that wasn't what he did. He brought us the peacemaker. That, 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 this was not about a plan, but about a person that was going to bring peace, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of as it should be. And when you think about who Jesus is from the beginning of time, if you read Colossians 1, he's the firstborn over all creation, over heaven, over earth, over everything. Everything that we know, everything is under his feet. He was the authority over everything. And when creation was breathed into existence, Jesus was the active force in creation. Just read through Colossians 1, read John 1. You know, he was the word. He was the word that was spoken out. He is what we, we know Noah as the creator. So what, did, what was he creating when he was creating everything that we know, the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, the Garden of Eden, which was the place of Shalom, was the place of as it should be. This is the way that it was supposed to be in relationship with God and relationship with planet Earth. There was a rhythm, there was a harmony to the way that things were done. Jesus was the one that creates Shalom. He's the one that brings shalom. He's the one that ushers in shalom. He's the one that makes things as they should be. So when they're fractured, when they're broken, Jesus is also the one that comes to create shalom, to be the way maker, to, make, to, to be the peacemaker, the one that would, would reconcile and bring things back to the way that they should be. So I, I always have to ask this question because I think when we, when we read scripture and we talk about peace, I could, we, could, we could land in this place. Okay, God didn't have a, a, a peace plan, but he brought the peacemaker. And that's a beautiful thing to say. And we could say, okay, what, what is it that we need? Who is it that we need? Of course, we need Jesus. Jesus is the solution. You know, my, my daughter said, I just drove through Georgia and I saw, you know, a big billboard that said, you know, Jesus saves. And she's like, yeah, we, we kind of know that. Like he's, he saves. 
But get, getting down into the nitty gritty, you know, when you're, when you're looking at things theologically, when you've got people that are walking into a room and we're all worshiping Jesus together, we're all unifying our voices, saying, oh, praise the name of Jesus, you know, the one who is and is to come. I mean, it's, it's what we are excited about. But how do we get that on the ground? How do we answer the question, how does Jesus bring peace to me today? It's 2022. What does it look like for me in my, in my world? Because I know that there is some chaos. It's like Abby said, there's some chaos in the room. There's some chaos in our lives. We get glimpses of shalom. We get glimpses of as it should be, you know, Sunday afternoon, you know, hearing football in the background, you know, falling asleep, waking up, they're winning and falling back asleep, shalom, right? It says it should be. But we, we just get those slices, but the rest of life is not. So how, how does Jesus bring shalom? Like, what is this? If you're walking in and you don't, you're, this is new to you, or you're just kind of getting back into following Jesus. What does it look like? What is, how is this good for me? What is, how is this gonna change? What's the good news for me? This was good news in Luke chapter two for them that Jesus was coming. How is he bringing shalom in my life? Because that's what I need, a little shalom in the home, you know? I, I need that in my life. I need, there's something that needs to be reconciled. I think all of us know that there's this existential itch inside of us that, that needs that, that's, that's begging for the Garden of Eden. We want things, we, the, the, there was a fracture that happened so long ago that we experience now, which is we are outside of the garden, unreconciled, us and God. So how do we, what, what happens to bring that back into order? And how does that affect the intricacies of my life? Because reconciliation just isn't this thing that we do in Bible school, where we say a prayer and all of a sudden we pull our ticket and we get to go to heaven. That's reconciliation. It better be deeper. It better be more than that, right? Because if that's it, I'm hitting the eject button. I'm just gonna live my life. Jesus is so much more than that. So how? How does that work for you and for me? So we're gonna, we're gonna talk, we're gonna answer this question. Because I think too often we get to a place where, and I'll just put it this way. I think theologically, this is the way I think about it. Sometimes we come into church and you know, we need the answer to a problem. And I, and I like to say it this way, like, hey, I, I've, I'm having trouble with my calculus homework. And then somebody comes along and says, let's go read some Shakespeare. And you're like, okay, that'd be nice, but it's still not helping me solve the problem. Like we, we have this huge issue that all of us need shalom and then we, we maybe kind of get close to it. Like it would be nice to read some Shakespeare, you know? It would, be, it would be good. Maybe it would distract me from the fact that there's still a huge problem over here. But how does this actually take place? You know, what, what is the, how spiritually does this happen? How does Jesus bring peace? And number one, and I'll just tell you, and this is right out of the word of God, we're gonna be in a few different spots and not because I like to scattershot and you know, pull things together to make my point, but these are things that are driven into the landscape of the epistles and driven into the landscape of scripture um, for us as the church and pe the people of God. So one is Jesus recalibrates the mind. I, I almost didn't use that word, but I, I do like it. Jesus recalibrates the mind. Because the peace that we're, it's possible for us on this side of heaven, and I'll just, this is where, this is the good news, bad news, is circumstantial peace is always gonna be fragile at best, right? 
I mean, there's, there's just gonna be things that we're not gonna be able to control. There's gonna be, we live on a broken planet. Jesus paid the penalty for sin, but the power of sin still exists. Eventually, he will wipe every tear from every eye, just like Dave said last week. It will happen, full reconciliation, full shalom on the outside. But the beauty and the miracle that, that makes much of Jesus is the fact that there's a bunch of people in this room that could walk out of here with, with shalom, with peace, that, has, that is not chained to circumstance. It is not imprisoned to your bank account or your marriage or your relationship, that it can be completely disconnected, that it's only hinged to Jesus himself. So Jesus recalibrates the mind. In Colossians 3, the apostle Paul is, he paints a picture in Colossians 1 and 2 of, of how huge Jesus is and the fact that he's come individually for each and every one of you to reconcile you, bring you back to God in the way that he does it through his blood. And then in Colossians 3, he, he just says, well, now you're a new creation. Through faith, not through works, through faith, you're a new creation. Something has changed inside of you that you can tap into, that can restructure the way that you live your life, the way that you walk out of, of, of a room. The Bible and the gospel is not about you're supposed to, it's about you get to. It's about what's possible for you. And the Apostle Paul leans into that in Colossians 3. He says, since then, this is the excitement. We should say this with excitement. You've been raised with Christ. He says, set your hearts on things above. This is the, the recalibrating, right? Where Christ Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Restructuring. Set, that, that, that's position, that, that word, if you get down to the Greek, it's positional, it's, it means set your mind, it means take it from here, take it off of these, this is, this is where we have tried to hinge our shalom, maybe this will give me some, maybe this will give me some, I'll create some shalom, no, unhitch it from here and hitch it here. Reposition your thoughts, reposition who you are, you've changed, because you're a new creation, you can readjust your thoughts. We're not there. We're still, sounds like a little Shakespeare. Let's keep going. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse five. The apostle Paul, and in the, just to give you some context, he's talking to people in this passage. He's talking to people about insecurities. He's saying, don't, don't compare yourself. You keep, even inside the church, you're comparing yourself. I used to think this passage was about defending the gospel. And the apostle Paul's in the Corinthian church just kicking butt saying, you guys gotta quit this. You're fighting with each other. And one's trying to step on the other one to say, I'm better than you. And the other one's like, I'm sad because I don't feel good. When I walk into the church building, I just feel like she's prettier than me and she's better than me. And the apostle Paul's going, oh, would you guys stop it? And this is how he responds. He says, we demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then what does he say? He's saying, in your insecurities, as you walk into a room, what are you doing? We're taking captive of every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He's saying it's possible for you because of who you are. Before you were a follower of Jesus, you were always gonna, you had to hitch your wagon to something else. You didn't have a shot with God. So how are you gonna have shalom? Well, you're gonna to have to create a circumstance in your life. You're gonna to have to get this, do this, step on this person and do these things to create as it should be in your tiny little world. And now here's the apostle Paul saying, all of that's been blown up by the, by the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, things have changed. You can change what's going on in here. You can now rehitch everything somewhere else. You can set and position your mind somewhere else. You can take captive. But the 
But the problem is, is we are still very human, right? Although spiritually it's possible, but we deal with, we deal with something even on a psychological level on planet earth. You know, it was a few years ago, we were in the James series and I talked about this. I talked about the idea of um, affect in the, in the psychological world. American you know, um, Psychological Association talks about the idea that we're, we, and some people put it on a scale of, of one to 10, but it's, it's, it kind of is like an, an, an experience or a feeling or emotion. It's, it's kind of the range of I'm completely suffering uh, to elation, um, but more of, it, more of it is really a, a balance. Like the, the best place for you to be in, in terms of feeling okay, like I feel all right, is a five. One would be completely removed, maybe, you know, detachment disorder. And then all the way down here would be, and 10 would be extremely maybe manic or angry or just, you know, inflamed, just out of sorts um, emotionally. And then, you know, the, the good zone, and I hate to use this term because it's overused and people started listening to Adam Young recently and it's just, it's gotten, you know, I'm regulated, right? You know, I'm, I'm a five, I'm regulated. Um, I prefer shalom, right? Things are as they should be. I'm in that, in that space. And Adam Young even says this, and I, I, uh, I, I talked about this a few years back. He says, we will do anything to try to make our bodies a more pleasant place to be in. When your body is frequently dysregulated, there is a tremendous pull towards addictions and compulsions and quarrels. In other words, we, to get back to a place in our, in our I would say in our selfishness almost, we, 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 we figure out ways to, to regulate, to get to a five. If we're at a one and detached, or if we're you know, at a 10 or a seven or an eight or somewhere where we, we don't feel like it's where as it should be, we wanna get back where? We wanna get back to Shalom, baby. That's where the good home is. I wanna be where it, things are as they should be. And as human beings, we spend, we, we, we call ourselves, like we come in and we're like, okay, I, I go to church, I do all the right things. But for many of us, we spend so much of our time trying to create a world in which there is shalom, in which we are regulated, in which we are landing on the five, right? That's, that's one of the things that we do. It's what the body's looking for. It's what the, the mind is looking for. It's one of the ways that God's created us. But I would say it's one of the ways that God lets us know that without him, we won't get here. Eternity was set in the hearts of, of men and women, it says, right? In scripture, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who had everything, did everything to try to create shalom, right? He's like, man, I'm, I'm gonna try to figure this out. You know, a few too many wives. You know, he went, he went down a road that, that none of us will. You know, had more money than any of us ever will. He tried to create it and he said, at the end of the day, what? It was meaningless trying to find it outside of God, it is meaningless. And we have our human strategies to get to five, don't we? I mean, what are, what, I even think right now, what are, what are your ways to get yourself in that space? So everybody's got it. Everybody's got the song they listen to, the show they watch, the thing that they stream. And I'm not saying doing any of those things is wrong, but replacing, like saying, this is what's going to bring me what only God can is wrong. You know, we, we, we like to look at sin as this dark black thing and we have these moral, you know, attachments that we put and, and we call that sin. But honestly, anything that we put in the place of, of where God should be, the shalom maker, the shalom creator is sinful, right? Like for me, I think one of the human strategies 
I call it the sweet setup strategy because I like to have a sweet setup wherever I go. When I went camping, I had myself a sweet setup. I don't go big. I have a tent that's pretty modest. This, that's a sweet setup. And the reason it's a sweet setup, I'll tell you, because that's a small, that's not a the mistake, rookie mistake, get yourself a big, oh, we're gonna grab a big 12 man town, put a screen TV in there. That's all wrong. Because you gotta be able to move swift when you're camping. You know what I mean? Things might change, right? So you get two, that's two poles right there. It's just like, bam, 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 tent is up. You know, you're five minutes. I was up like that, watching everybody like this, you know, whittling wood, you know, on the farm. Because I got me a sweet setup. In there, if you, if you can't really notice right here, there's, you see this right here? We call that a power cord that went into my tent. Sweet setup. I'm in my 50s. I need an air mattress that not, not one level above the ground, but I want double-decker. You know, we're going to go queen, you know, and it fits. I bought them. I'm, I literally looked it up on Amazon. I was like, okay, queen mattress is this big. How's the bottom lay of this tent? Okay, queen mattress, perfect fit. You literally just, at night, you just walk through that door and fall into bed. And that's it. And you sleep in heavenly peace. It's fantastic. Unless there's a rooster. I mean, that's kind of, kind of the way that it goes. And you got a sweet setup, you know, that's, that's what you do. Now, I'll just tell you the problem with the sweet setup or any strategy that you employ to bring yourself shalom. Like we do this for circumstantial peace. We create our world. We do the things, we think it's gonna be money. We think it's gonna be a relationship. We think it's going, there's so many things that we put in the place of the Prince of Shalom. And you know what, temporarily they can work. You know, if, till, till about 2.30 a.m., right? And a rooster starts crowing. And then there's nothing that you can do. In fact, I'll tell you even a better story. The next night, you know, rooster was shot through and through. You know, it was a good, it was a good one, you know. Should have been one to the head, two to the chest, but it wasn't. Because at, in the middle of the night, guess what started happening? Rooster started crowing again. No kidding, I know, the better story, the animal activist just stood up and said, praise Jesus, he resurrects from the dead. We don't know what happened, but we, we, with the roosters, people were just wandering around like the walking dead going, how is it possible, you know? We go look in the chicken coop and the roosters, there's two, there's a hen on each side. He's in the middle, like 50 cent going, I shot, you just gave me street cred. I'm all good. Cockle doodle doo. He had a little blood on him. He was fine just sitting up there like, y'all ain't got me. He had a little bit of a gurgle in his crow, but other than that, he was pretty loud. He was pretty loud. And then my father-in-law like shut it down. I was like, all right, nobody's shooting that rooster. He's mine forever. You know, that's it. But all, all I'm saying, you could, it doesn't matter what you do. He, it, it, it will, something will fracture your shalom if you create it yourself or, or try to figure out a way to do it on your own. The other strategy is just the exit strategy. Like just pack up and leave the farm, right? We'll just not be there. I don't have to be there. I can sleep in my own bed. You know, I think people employ that strategy in relationship. It's like, if it gets a little tough, it gets a little rough, well, the, it's the ghosting strategy on texting, right? Texting can get, bring stress, because you're like, I don't really know how to respond to this text, because it's kind of, you know, got an emotional tone to it, so we won't. I mean, the statistics say that one out of five people just don't respond to texts. That's a lot. I mean, that's 20% of you humans that just say, <laughs> I'm just not gonna answer that, you know? All the time you do it, why? because texting does not bring shalom. I mean, you could do the studies that texting entering into our life has created more stress and anxiety. So we, what, what do we do? What's our strategy? We ghost, and we do that in life. We ghost people, like we're just gonna back out. I'll just take my ball and go home. And that's not, that is not the way that, that Jesus creates shalom, is to tell you to retract yourself from the world or retract yourself from church, 
Say, well, you know what? I don't, I don't feel comfortable when I go in there. I think I'm going to, you know. That gets me in a, in a place I don't want to be, so I'm going to just pull myself out of that relationship with, those, with that person or those people. We have all these counterfeit shaloms, don't we? Tons of them that we employ. The Jesus strategy. You know, the Apostle Paul, if you've got your Bible, Philippians chapter four, I love this. Now, in Philippians, in this, in this particular piece, he's ending and kind of saying farewell to a group of people that he loves. But he's also been, been having a conversation about contentment. And Paul's speaking with some credibility because he's been, you know, he's, he's been drug outside of cities and beaten. He's been shipwrecked twice. He's been snake bitten. Um, it's not been easy for him to carry the gospel. And he's telling them, look, this is how, how, do you, how can I be content in all things? How do I stay content when I have food and when I don't have food? And so he, he, he starts to lay it out in this, in this passage. And this is where I wanna get practical. Like how does Jesus recalibrate the mind? How do we get to that place? Okay, we can't get circumstantial peace. Let's just be honest. We're gonna try. I mean, you're gonna keep trying to do, do certain things. And yes, God can show you and give you a glimpse of shalom to come in and through your family, in and through a beautiful vacation, and in and through some of your circumstances. But in a broken way, we gotta, we gotta remember that we don't wanna hitch our wagon to it, right? We don't wanna hitch our lives to it. We wanna set our mind, position our mind somewhere else. But the Apostle Paul tells him very, very clearly, in verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Don't, don't get off the spectrum. Worship together. The Lord is near. He's saying, look, come together. Things change. I think Abby, somebody just said that in our, our pre-gathering prayer. Like there's just something that happens when we all get together and we sing together. It's goofy and weird, but it's biblical, right? It's amazing. Oh, praise the name to lift up our, our voices to who Jesus is. What, what are we doing in that moment? We're recalibrating. We're getting our mind. Just, I mean, think about it. The things of earth, they really do grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, especially when we sing. When we lift up our voices together, when we never give up meeting together. And I know that's something that preachers say, so you show up and give but I'm telling you as a human being, human to human, image bearer to image bearer, we, we can never give it up. We, we, sometimes it, it feels like something so simple, but to gather together and to sing with one another, to sing to one another. Worship is our, it's our representation to God to show him that he is worthy, but that he is also the, the one that matters most. That's worship, it's not just singing, it's, it's our lives representing that he matters more than anything else on the planet. He's it, it recalibrates us, it, re it right sizes our, our brain. And if we're honest, I think sometimes we, Jesus sometimes removes outward comfort so that we understand and we can deeply drink of his ultimate comfort. Like the, the outward stuff gets stripped away and maybe you've experienced that. Some of you are in that season. I know some of you are in that season where there's a lot of things getting pulled away. Maybe it's being in a, a place, this, the holiday season is, is a bag full of tricks, isn't it? I mean, some of you in here are so, you're in a room full of people, but you're, you are alone and you feel the loneliness pressing in on you. And I just wanna say, Jesus, the, 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 the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of as it should be, he knows it's not as it should be. And he's standing with you, he's standing right next to you. 
saying, you're not alone. I want you to sense my presence. I want you to keep running the race. I know it looks tough on this side, but I'm telling you, something's happening. Something's breaking through. And that leads me to the, to the second piece of this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. I mean, this could, you know, this is simple. But worship and prayer are huge in recalibrating the mind. We pray because we get to take all of this stuff that's the anti-shalom, the lies of the enemy that tells us, you know, that things, you know, well, God doesn't make them as they should be. You know how to make them as they should be. And I'll give you different ways to do it. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray, and I'm, that's, I, I, that's not my bent, which is sad to say as a pastor, like it's not my first reaction. I'm a doer and I feel like, oh, I gotta do this. I gotta figure this out. I gotta get the suite set up. Gotta do the stuff to make things happen. But our, our first reactions, which is, it seems so anti, you know, our bent as humans, but it is so God, isn't it? Because he's in control and we're not. I mean, we, we live, I mean, I love, we, we're, we're Floridians, so I could use this illustration. We live in the cone of uncertainty, but yet we try to, that's why we're obsessed with the weather, because it's the one thing that we can't, we can't change it, right? We're going to try to figure out, I mean, even with the camping, it's like, you know, what are we going to do? Well, if it's a washout, there's nothing anybody's doing, right? Well, that's, that such is life. That is the illustration for life. But God has given us this thing. He says, look, take all of that. You know, Jesus says it this way. He says, my burden's light. Hand it to me, man. I got this. What are you guys doing? You weren't meant to carry this burden. Hand it to me. And how do we do it? We pray. We say, I can't. It's an, it's an admission. It's a humble coming before God on your knees, on your face, saying, I can't do this. And you know, you know what? Jesus loves that because he's the peacemaker. He's the shalom maker. He's the shalom creator. So as a church, as, as human beings for us to pray and lay it before God, it recalibrates the mind. He promises us here, it, he'll give us peace that transcends understanding. So despite your circumstances, that's what he gives you. So Jesus doesn't just recalibrate the mind. Jesus does something even bigger than that. Jesus reconciles. The shalom maker, the prince of shalom, the prince of as it should be in Romans 5 in verse 10, it says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. What's, what's Paul saying here? He's saying we were enemies. We, we think there's all kinds of peace that we need to find, but if we don't have peace with God, then none of this matters. If you don't have peace with God, if you haven't figured that out, if, we, if you haven't humbled yourself before God to say, you are the one that controls everything. You are the one I have sinned against. And you are the one who has come to reconcile me, to recognize him. I think in this season of Christmas, to go beyond where we are in, in flippant Christianity and just rolling in and out of church, to be in that place of, repentance and humility before God. And that sounds like, a, like, oh, God's mad at you and you gotta be, no, it's this joyful place of freedom of unhitching your life to all the stuff you think's gonna save you and, and admitting that nothing will save you but him. Nothing will rescue you but him because he's the reconciler. He made peace this way. 
It says in Colossians 1.19, it says, For he was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself. This reconciliation, he's reconciling. You see it, you feel it, he's making peace. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus didn't just create peace in the garden. Jesus is restoring peace through the cross. He's reconciling. He's, he's, this is the way of shalom. His death, his burial, his resurrection, him bleeding out on Mount Calvary is the way that peace is born. And it's interesting to think the cross looks like chaos. It looks like anti-peace. And I think for us, we all think about it, just, just needed to be calm. But the way that Jesus created peace, the way that God created peace was tumultuous, which is, is important for me to remember. Because in my life, I have to remember that sometimes things get tumultuous, don't they? Sometimes they feel like non-peace. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, in your life right now, the, the, the supposed anti-shalom that you feel might be God making peace. He might be reconciling you. He might be humbling you. He might be changing something in you because he's a reconciler, because that's what he does. You know, when we, we were in Africa, uh, me and uh, my wife, Dave, Sarah, and Caitlin, um, uh, just being on a vision trip at, at Akoa, um, which is very surreal, you know, just seeing giraffes and monkeys and weird stuff that you don't see here, right? Um, well, one of, the, uh, one of the beautiful animals that we saw was um, a warthog, a young warthog. <laughs> I have named him Pumbaa. Um, and if you, if you notice, and I think Dave may have talked about this, but he's got these big, long tusks, right? Um, and there was, a, there was a sweet little girl that was with us on the trip, and her dad, and they're on the vision trip with us, and she was pretty taken with all the animals, right? And she's like, everything was real life, you know, Lion King, um, just not knowing that they could all murder her at any minute. Um, and... And we're all kind of standing around. I mean, it is pretty dramatic. I mean, I'll just say my heart skipped a beat. I'm glad I didn't, I mean, I had to turn to look and see, see what happened. But um, the, guy, the guide was telling us like, hey, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't get in its way as it's moving and cutting through the grass. You know, he he's, doesn't mind humans, but he's got those things right there that'll gore you. Um, and so Dave, because he's, uh, you know, a savior himself as a fireman, out of the corner of his eyes, watching this little girl kind of get closer and closer to Pumbaa, you know, wanting to sing, you know, some songs. And, and she's edging closer and closer. And then there was this instant where you heard this, you know, just horrible, you know, warthog noise. Um, you, know, you know, I don't know what it was, but he charged, lowers his head, and was getting ready to take his tusk and just, I mean, and the girl's like this close. And Dave, I don't know, just ninja-like fireman skills, just... I mean, there's, there's a, this was a noise. It was a racket. It was very chaotic. Snatches the little girl and just kind of runs away from the warthog. And the warthog's, you know, still going like this, you know, ready to, to gore. And I mean, everybody's just like, and the dad's nowhere around, which was a little bit common. Um, and he's inside the place getting a Coke or something. And we, we're kind of watching. Um, and Dave trots the girl all the way to, to dad. And, uh, the dad has no, you know, no, no clue what, what has happened. And the girl is so angry. Like she's, she won't talk to Dave. She's like, you're so mean, you know, and just like very angry. And I'm thinking she has no idea that in the middle of that chaos that he was saving her life. 
right? Like at least saving her from being gutted right there in Africa, which I don't know if you wanna go to the hospital there in Uganda, right? (laughs) But in the middle of it, no idea that in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of all of that, in the middle, and it was probably painful. I mean, you had to squeeze her and grab her and snatch her and scare her. There's a little bit of, oh, you, you better next time, you know. Don't do that. Pumba is not nice, you know. But for us, listen, I, I just want to say this because there's so many people that are in here, and I, I get this. I, I want you to know, if you, if you don't know me, I, I get that there's, these moments where you're looking up at God and you're wondering, what in the world is this? Because it's not as it should be. You are lonely, you are broken, you are, there is something that's going on and you are falling apart. And you're thinking, this doesn't feel right. And Will, our drummer said this in, in pre-gathering prayer, like God's doing something, you don't even have a clue, we don't know, it doesn't feel good and that's so true. And I know this is God speaking to you because he's been saying this all morning. It may not look like it right now, but the Prince of Shalom is rescuing you. He's bringing you back to himself in the midst of chaos, in the midst of something that might not. He might be removing the outward comfort so that you can experience the ultimate comfort of his love. I mean, think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane thinking, I'm getting ready to go to the cross and and, and looking up to his father sweating drops of blood thinking, why? This doesn't feel like peace. If this cup can pass for me, then any other way. And I love that Jesus, our suffering savior, the empathetic savior knows our pain. He he knows what it's like to be in the middle of something and say, not quite sure about this, but to, to God be the glory, your will, not mine for us to be able to move forward in trusting Him, all of a sudden makes a shift and recalibrates the mind and allows you to be the most incredible testimony in the middle of your loneliness, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your cancer, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your whatever undiagnosed condition that you have, whatever it is that God's you feel like God is kind of removed from. I'm telling you, he's knee deep in it. He's, he's bled out on Mount Calvary for it. And there's a world around you looking at you going, how in the world do you have shalom? They might not use the Hebrew word, but they're thinking, how do you, how do you move forward? In transparency saying, yeah, my life's hard, but I have peace. It is, I'm telling you, the supernatural, just amazing nature of the gospel and what it, what it can do to the human heart. Despite any circumstances to take you out of the ones and take you out of the tens and put you in five, put you in shalom in the middle of chaos. And Jesus standing right there with you, saying, I'll walk every step of the way with you. And together, we're gonna have shalom.